Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Jeremy, would you come on up and Chrissy? This is just a wee bit loud, or is it just my hearing? It's okay? Okay. Okay, a little loud, yeah. Okay, so they're going to share a couple testimonies. So yesterday, on our way to the outreach, um, there was a guy, William, uh, who was homeless, walking uh, in front of our church, and I uh, was asked by Pastor Marie to go, and she asked me how courageous I was. So I thought, well, I didn't recognize the gentleman, I was, we were on our way, so I thought, well, it depends on what. And... She said, well, would you go speak to that man? And so then she pulls up, and I'm like, okay, speak to him about what? And I kind of knew what she was getting to, but I just want to make sure. Um, and then so I got out the car, and I went up to him, and, and um, I immediately asked him simply to it, hey, sir, do you know if you were to die today, are you going to heaven? And, you know, it was really neat, uh, Pastor Marie asking me, because I was sent by her, and to honor her, of course, um, I went, and then, so it made it more, like, supernatural, like, you know, she's anointed, the Lord honored her and uh, him in her eyes as, um, as the value that God sees him. So I uh, went up, and as I'm speaking to him, I, 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 um, I got him to repeat the prayer, and he actually asked me, do you know if you're going to heaven? And he said he didn't know. So, um, so I, I went to the sinner's prayer with him. And uh, when it came to the point of, and he was in awe, like no one had spoken to him. And when it came to the point of repentance, he paused. Everything else was smooth. And so, and I know, uh, you know, Paul said, I come to you not with fancy words, but I trust in the God, uh, in, in God, in the, in, the, in the power of the Spirit of God. And, uh, and yeah, the Holy Spirit uh, just wrecked him, and it was just... Uh, he didn't have assurance that he was saved. And so that yesterday, um, I believe that he now has assurance that he's saved. And so he wept there before me, and it was just it was really humbling. It was really uh, it was a beautiful moment to see someone give their life. And uh, so I just want to uh, share with all uh, my testimony of that experience was Pastor Marie sent me, and I got in the car, and I'm like, Pastor Marie, thank you. That was just cool. Um, and, you know, but it's a very serious thing. It's a very holy thing. It's reconciliation because his walk that day, forever knows how long, it's, I don't know. I'm making mistakes. God, you haven't confirmed anything to me. Um, I, and then the enemy is not after us individually. He's after what we believe. He's not after Jeremy. He's not after... Chrissy's not after you, Brother Brian. He's after us. Uh, he's after our faith. And here we're getting grown. And so we're called to do this and scatter seed. And we're not, I was fortunate enough to witness him weep, but I, uh, it's sometimes just sharing it and, and someone else will go along and water that. And, and, and in the meantime, I'm praying that someone 
does grow him uh, and someone else comes along and just edifies that. And I don't know if I was coming behind someone else who was doing it, so I just appreciate that and I wish you hadn't had to send me, but... Um, <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, they, they were in the car with me, and we saw this man, and I said, Jeremy, are you brave? And he said, uh, do you want me to be? Perfect answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, I was saying, I said, you know, I see people all the time in, in Plant City and everywhere I go, and as a woman, you have to exercise wisdom and safety, and I can't just jump out of the car and talk to a, a, a perfect stranger. That's just not wisdom. Obviously, I'm saying you have to be led, but uh, a man, Yeah. And so uh, I said, Jeremy, thank you for letting me live vicariously through you. <laughs> Go do it for me. But on a, you know, I'm just saying, that was on the way to the outreach. And oftentimes in the kingdom of God, we can forget that we're working with God and be busy working for God. And, and we could have just been, hey, we got to get to the outreach, we got to get there in time, and just ignored somebody that was, did not know that they were on their way to heaven, may not have been. And so these are not... Uh, moments or faith projects or things that we do. It's who we are and it's a lifestyle. And I was letting them know that I often see people when I don't get to talk to them. I'm usually alone when I'm doing my errands or even traveling sometimes. And so uh, God just must have heard me because yesterday afternoon when I came back to the building, late in the afternoon, Melanie and I were still here and we were the last ones to leave. We we're getting ready to get in our cars and some another gentleman was walking on our property. And I could tell that he needed... Uh, somebody to talk to him and so uh, I watched him for a few minutes and you just dip down in your spirit man it was two of us but we we're still women just check holy ghost is this a good idea I want to have a conversation right now and so uh, I approached him and Melanie was there and we followed some safety protocol but I was able to talk to him and he was a very spiritual religious person he considered himself but wasn't sure if he believed and so he let me pray for him and he I said sir may I just touch your shoulder lightly and he's like sure and so I just thanked the Lord that he was open to the divine. So he didn't necessarily pray the prayer, but that God would show himself. Because he said that a voice had told him to pick up the basketball that was laying on our property, to come over and pick it up. And I said, well, I'm really glad you heard that voice. And so he said, do you want it back? I said, no, you keep it. Because he said, I love to keep things like this. I said, this is your reminder of this divine appointment that you were looking for. Because he said he was out looking, seeking for voices or things. So God, fortunately, God accommodated him at that moment. But um, so I was just grateful that God let me have that experience. But just sharing that with you, just to be aware that we're super busy. We're super busy this time of year, but we cannot be so busy um, doing the needful that we miss the most important thing. And that's uh, taking that time to share with people, especially this time of year. Suicide rates are higher and people just, they have a heightened sense of whether they have a future or not. So their hearts are far more receptive and open to hearing that, yeah, somebody cares, somebody loves them, and there is a hope and a future for them. I have a couple of <clears throat> financial um things to talk about but it's really hard to follow that and Jeremy's I mean having an increase is great but it doesn't compare to an eternal life right I have two actually the first one is I had been forgetting to speak over my bonuses at work and two months in a row I missed bonus and it wasn't like I missed it by a large margin it was just like just missed it. You know, I'm like, okay, enough's enough. 
from here on out, I make goal every month without fail. And pastors constantly preach, watch what you say, speak life over your, over your situation, over your finances, speak the word constantly, right? I mean, that's, that's what we are learning here is to speak over our finances and the things that we want to happen, not what we're actually seeing at the moment. So I began to stand on that. And every month I've been saying I make it didn't matter what it looked like and there was a couple of months where it was down to the last day and I needed something to happen and I said out of my mouth I make goal every month no matter what I make goal every month no matter what since the spring I have made goal every single month and that is huge guys it ranges anywhere from 300 to 900 dollars per month and as you start with like three, then it increases to like seven, and then it goes to like nine. And once you get to that $900 mark, it stays put until you miss it. And then once you miss it, it starts all over again. So I make goal every month <laughs> without fail, right? And then I had a meeting with my supervisor, and we had been given the information that our company has gone to a $15 an hour minimum company. So if you guys are interested in being a phlebotomist or working for a blood bank and you like that sort of thing, oneblood.org, you can get in at 15 bucks an hour to start, which is pretty good. And they do um, train you. So enough about that. But I didn't think it had anything to do with me. I've been there going on 12 years, you know. So I get this phone call, hey, you got a few minutes? I, I need to, actually, she called me and I was, I, I was, that was when I had that, that um, Haiti moment that you guys had where I got really sick just out of the blue. I think a few people in here got this virus just out of the blue and I was in bed going, oh. And um, she's like, well, I have some news that'll probably make you feel better. I said, really? She's like, you know, we talked about um, going to a $15 an hour company. And I said, yes. She's like, well, they have gone over some salaries and they've made some adjustments throughout the company. And she said, you're one that they decided needed to have an adjustment made. I said, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I received that. So typically when you have your yearly or your annual um, review, your max, and if this is like if you are perfection and you do everything right and you make goal as much as you know you possibly can, you get a 3% raise. That is the max. She's like, well, you're getting a 6.2% raise. So that's more than double what your annual review would, would be. So that, yeah, that's amazing. So it, it's it's all because of staying faithful and ties. I actually sewed one of my bonuses, which was one big key that I meant to mention before. I, I was believing God to make bonuses, and that first one that I made, I sewed the whole thing because I wanted, I needed breakthrough financially, and it's happening. So, thank you. Hallelujah. Pastor? Good word, huh? All right, if you need an offering envelope, lift your hand and the usher will come and give you that. Or on the back of your chair, there's an offering envelope. And you can give tithes and offerings. Praise God. Great testimonies. And they're tithers and they give offerings. 
the Galatians says that God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Do you know that the Bible says that? And if you're a tither, then you believe that God is El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. And if you don't tithe, then you don't believe that God is more than enough. That's just simple. You know, sometimes Christians, we can shout, God, he's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh. The God that's more than enough. Do you tithe? Well, you know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's not good. Not good. Why does it get quiet in the church? I mean, whatever happened to the hallelujah, amen, glory to God, shouting, dancing, running. It's like, it's like you hear crickets. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Well, come on, Jeff. Come here, Jeff. You got a testimony? We're going over. Amen. We're going over. Thank you, Jeff, for the enthusiasm. Praise God. I hope it catches. I want it to catch. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. You ready to give, say yay. You're not ready to give, say nay. No, no nays. If you're one of the Lord's sheep, say amen. 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 All right, lift your offering toward heaven if you would. Father, we thank you for the gift and the giver. Father, that we're going over and we're not going under. And you are El Shaddai. You are not El Chipo. You are the God that's more than enough. And we thank you, Father God, for it. Bless your people. Thank you for bonuses. Thank you for pay raises. Thank you for promotions. Thank you, Father, for inheritances. Thank you, Father. We just bless you and we praise you so we can advance the kingdom of God in the earth. And we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Ushers, if you'll serve the people. I think it was last Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday morning. Share what, what happened. So I ended up going to the ER um, and I had to do x-rays on my back. They found out I had two bulging discs in my L4 and L5. Um, well, they came back and they said my L5 and S1 was deteriorating. I was in excruciating pain last Sunday morning, like I was in tears, and pastor, like I was just praying, I was like, this service needs to get over. Nothing against you, just saying. <laughs> I was just in so much pain, and he came over, and he was like, um, I want to pray for you guys, and he got up, and he's like, something's wrong, and I told him, and last weekend, I got a miracle, and I was able to touch my toes this week. Um, yeah, it started to come back while I'd pray, and it went away, so... I'm still believing that my back is good, and I have to set up that appointment yet. I still haven't set it up yet. So, bye-bye time. Wonderful. Come on, let's give the Lord praise, man. It's awesome. Come on. Listen, you, sometimes you've got to hold on to that miracle. Come on, Satan will try to take, take it from you, right? All right, this morning I want to talk to you about what is the vision of this ministry? What is the vision of this ministry? So open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament somewhere. And if you can't find it, go to the front of your Bible. Look in the concordance and find the page. Because <laughs> it's not every day we preach out of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says this. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Through it, though it tarry, excuse me, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So, number one, 
This minute, and these aren't necessarily in chronological order. So, but number one, this ministry is a soul-winning ministry. That's what you're a part of. We win the lost. I believe God intended the church to win the lost. How many times has people walked down a sidewalk in front of a church and maybe not one person ministered to that person? Many years ago, we were doing a revival up in, uh, I guess it was um, Spartan, Michigan or something like that. And I was at a church of God. And we ran, I think it was a three-week revival. We did two meetings a day for three weeks. Toward the end of the second week, the revival started waning. People, you know, they were kind of checking out and fading out and not coming and all that kind of stuff. And so I decided to do something on the Sunday morning. And I, taught, I got with the pastor and I said to the pastor, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dress up like a bum. I'm going to have overalls on. I'm going to have boots on. I'm going to put a wig on. I'm going to put Billy Bob teeth in my mouth. I'm going to put dirt all over my face. And I'm going to show up at church. And he said, okay. And I said, when I finally get into the church, I said, there'll be a moment in time. I'll come up and I'll grab the microphone. And he said, okay. So my sons, um, we, were, we were taking me to church. And I said, son, let's go by the convenience store and let me, let me buy uh, one beer and kind of pour, pour it on myself so I can smell like, you know, smell, you know, play the part well. So he pulled into the convenience store. I should have did this. I should have sent him in there, but I don't think he was old enough. So I got out of the car and I walked in. As soon as I walked in, the clerk panicked. And I went and got a beer. And when I went to the counter, the clerk was already outside. And so I had the beer. I left the beer there and I said, I'm sorry. And then we went to the church, which was actually a block away. And 10 minutes later, three police cars showed up at the convenience store. Yeah, it wasn't a good thing. So I hid behind the church, all right, until they left. Because I didn't want them coming over. Because it would have, it wouldn't, it would have ruined my Sunday morning. All right, so all of a sudden, you know, they left, and I went in front of the church, and I'm walking around, you know, and I'm kind of picking up bottles, kind of thing, and every church member ignored me. Didn't say hi, didn't say good morning, didn't come out and say, hey, would you come on in? And so then eventually, I made my way into the church, right, and the ushers were on high alert. You know. It's like sometimes here, we got guys that are on high alert, but we need to be on high alert here. Praise God, amen. But, you know, I walked in and stuff like that, and I sat in the back row, and I sat next to like four ladies, and they got up and moved over when I sat down. So then I got up, and I walked out of the church, and then one of the ushers was like, sir, 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 and I just kind of grunted. And then I turned around, and I walked into the church, and I went all the way to the front row and sat down. And they were really on high alert then. So I'm sitting there right and I had my head down. And, and then all of a sudden the youth pastor came over and he sat next to me and kind of put his arm around me. And I just started, I started sniveling a little bit. And so as I'm sniveling, I would wipe my nose right like this. And he's sitting next to me. And so I sniveled and wiped it on his pants. <laughs> Come on, man. So he kind of jolted a little bit, you know, when I did that, you know. And then all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, all these people got up and surrounded me, and I'm sitting on the front row. And they started screaming in other tongues. Screaming in other tongues. (laughs) Screaming in other tongues. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, my God, 
I now wonder why nobody wants to come to a Pentecostal church. You freak them out. I mean, you freak the freak the piece. You freak them out. Like, yeah. Could you imagine? You know, if it was another guy's testimony. I walked in this church. I sat down. They started speaking Spanish. I don't know what was going on, but they were speaking Spanish and they were speaking English. They speaking English. They were speaking Indian. They were speaking all kinds of. It was really, really weird. Yeah, we, listen. Jesus was not weird. Let me say, well, let me come over this side. There's so much enthusiasm over here. Jesus was not weird. Come on now. Why do we got to be weird? We don't have to be weird. Jesus wasn't weird. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting there, and the pastor's like, hey, come on, let's just praise the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And they're all like, you know, they're doing all that, doing all that kind of stuff. And so they kind of dispersed a little bit. And then the pastor looked at me, and, I, and I, he kind of winked at me. I got up, I pulled the wig off, pulled the teeth out, and I said, I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was in prison, and you didn't visit. You should have seen their faces. And I said, I think what we need to do this morning's revival service is we need to come to this altar and repent for not doing the Great Commission by going out and winning the lost and sharing our faith, thinking that we're, we're way past that. And the altar call came. And people were weeping, they were crying, they were repenting and asking God to forgive them. See, we're a soul-winning church. God's heartbeat is souls. God's heartbeat is souls. Come on, God's heartbeat is souls. You can't take anything with you. You can't take your car, you can't take your Rolex, you can't take your house, you can't take your neighbor. Your neighbor's got to give them heart to Jesus. Come on, hello somebody. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is souls. You could take souls with them. And we have a responsibility to win the lost. This is a soul-winning ministry. Proverbs 11.30 says this, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. If you're a soul winner, then you're wise. In Daniel 12.3 it says this, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as stars Forever and ever. If you are a person who turns people to righteousness, you will shine in heaven. Reinhard Monkey went home to be with Jesus yesterday. 77 million souls. I wonder what his welcoming committee was like. 77 million people he led to the Lord. That's amazing. That's amazing. 77 million. I want to shine like a star in heaven. Because see, God's no respecter of persons. And it doesn't matter what time you get into the race, the reward is the same. Let me say that one more time. God's no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter what time you get in the race. Hello. You can be in the race with Reinhard Bonnke. I think it was 19, I don't know, 1960, I don't know, 1954 or something like that to 2019 or something like that. You know, and, you know, he'd been in the ministry for many, many years. So even though he was able to lead 77 million documented cases, documented people to the Lord, if you won, if you became a soul winner and all of a sudden you went home and you only won 10 people, well, at least you get the same reward. God's the same. Hello. So this is a soul winning ministry. That's the reason why we do outreaches. That's the reason why we go on world missions. We want to win souls. It's, it's God's heartbeat. In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, says this, And Jesus went about the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weak and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he said to the disciples, The harvest is fully plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. That's us. That's our church. That's the ministry. You're a part of a church that's just not inbred. Hi, my name is Daryl. This is my other brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. We're not inbred. No, we go out. And if the harvest won't come, guess what we do? Go get them. We go get them. Now, we can't force people to come to church. Can't do it. Can't force people. If a, if a person doesn't want to be discipled, they don't want to be discipled. If they don't want to come to church, they don't want to. That's the reason why I've threatened for years about getting the black van evangelism. So what that means is we get a black van and all that kind of stuff, and when we do an outreach, we go by the area, and if somebody's walking to pick up their newspaper, we snatch them, throw them in the van, put a black hoodie over them, and all that kind of stuff, because we invited people. They didn't want to come, so we're going to go snatch them, and then all of a sudden, we bring them into the church, sit them on the front row, remove the hoodie, and say, welcome to church. Praise God. Amen. It's drive-by evangelism. That's what we do. Drive-by evangelism. You've heard of drive-by shooting? We do drive-by evangelism. Praise God. One kills life, the other saves life. Praise God. Amen. Because we're in the life assurance business. Life assurance. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 9 and 10, it says this, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring day and night, because we would not be chargeable, changeable unto you, any of you. We preach unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses... And God also, how holy and justly and unblamingly we behave ourselves among you and believe. So you are witnesses to the world of holy behavior. Amen. You are true Jehovah witnesses. Praise God. Amen. Because you witness to salvation. You don't witness to, to an occult. Please forgive me. We're not an occult. But by all definition, we follow Jesus, so therefore we are a cult. Praise God. Amen. By all definition. But we follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can you say amen? So we are a soul winning ministry. Number two, we are a word and spirit ministry. We're not just word only. Hello. We're not just word only. A lot of churches that are preaching today. A lot of pastors are preaching today. A lot of guest ministers are preaching today all over the world. Some will have a move of God. Others won't have a move of God. Some will flow in the supernatural. Some will not flow in the supernatural. We have a balance between the Word and the moving of the Holy Ghost. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6, it says this, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter only, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, and the Spirit gives life. See, if all we ever have is the Word, 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 then we dry up. But if all we have is the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, we flake up. But if we have the Word and the Spirit coming together and there's a balance between them both, guess what happens? We grow up. And God wants us to grow in the things. Listen, I'm not interested in maintaining people. I'm interested in growing people up. Hello, somebody. A lot of churches want to maintain. Well, don't say that. Don't say this. You know, you've got to come across this way. It's not what you preach. It's how you preach it. Sorry, this place is not Cocoa Puffs Christian Center with fruits, nuts, and flakes. We, it is not. It is not Kellogg's Christian Center. We, we, we preach the word here. 
We preach the word unadulterated, pure and holy out of the Bible, precept upon precept, line upon line. We preach that we should live holy as Christians. We preach that we should live pure as Christians. If we stumble and we fall, then there's forgiveness, there's repentance, and the grace of God gives us the ability to overcome sin, not enables us to sin. Come on, hello, somebody. We preach the word of God. We preach that it's wrong not to be married and have sex. Sorry, I can't. I didn't write the book. The book says it. Not Dr. Jack. Dr. Jack didn't say it. Jesus said it. Hello. Come on, somebody say amen. I'm just the deliverer of what the word says. But people get upset with the pastor because he preaches on holiness. Golly, holiness is not a four-letter word. Hello. To say to be married and then have sex with another person is adultery, I'm not afraid to say that. The Bible says it. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou, listen, you can burn two ways. You can burn with passion or you can burn in hell. Get married. Praise God. Hello, somebody. That's the way I look at it. But do you know people get offended with that? They get offended at the Lord. They were offended at Jesus. Most amazing thing. Recently, I posted on my Facebook page, ever been hurt in church? Question mark. And then I put, so was Jesus. But he still went to the cross anyway. Jesus was hurt by the church. He still went to church and he went to the cross anyways. Kumbaya, my Lord. You will know the truth. And if you allow it, it will set you free. Do you know how awesome it is to wake up in the morning and not having the guilt of making mistakes over and over and over again? Do you know how wonderful it is to know that if you do mess up, you can go and repent and ask God to forgive you and He actually forgets what you did? That's the most amazing thing. To have a clear conscience is a wonderful thing. To not violate your conscience is a wonderful thing. But if you do make a mistake, then the blood of Jesus and the grace of God is totally sufficient. Because here's the deal. All of us in this room will stand at the great white throne judgment and be held accountable for everything that we said, everything that we did, and everything that was not repented of. Can't escape it. Come on, hello. You can't repent when you're in the grave. Hello? Can't do it. We beg God and ask God, moving our finances. Beg God, ask God, moving our relationship. Beg God, ask God, please, please God, please God. And but we then we don't do what He asks us to do. Did you know? Did you know there's more do's in the word than there are don'ts? He said in John fourteen twenty one, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You cannot say that you love God and not keep His commands. That, you can't do. It. I love God. We know that God loves us. That's not a problem. You don't ever have to think, does God love me? No, He loves you. But then the question is, is how much do we love Him? We are a word and spirit ministry. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1 through 3, it says this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of Almighty God. If you take the supernatural out of the Bible then all you have is another religious book. It would be no different than the book of Koran, the book of Mormon, all the other religious books in the world. If you remove the supernatural out of there, and there are people in the world, out of the 7 billion people on this planet, that literally choose Christianity to be their religion. And they're not even born again. There are pastors preaching in the pulpits of America and around the world that are not even born again. They chose to be a vocation. They chose to go to seminary to, to read the Bible because you know what? If you could put a good, nice sermon that won't offend anybody together, you can get yourself a 401k plan. You get yourself a good salary, especially if the congregation's about 5,000 people. And you could spend 30 minutes trying to pump somebody up and be encouraging and that they're going to make it until they can come back next Sunday. And you can do really well and not even be born again, not even on your way to heaven. Did you know that? I have to stand before the throne of God to be held accountable to those that have heard my voice. 24 years, and 24 years of ministry, get this, 24 years of ministry, over a million people have heard my voice. Whether radio, whether television, or, or, the, or the platforms in these foreign countries that we've gone to. I have met presidents, I have met governors, I have met mayors, I've met congressmen. We did the first ever evangelical church service in the parliament, in the White House, in the country of Honduras. The first one. I had the president, his wife, the vice president, the entire chief of staff, the military, national police. They were all in that room. Talk about nervous. Talk about, you know, make sure you say the scriptures correctly and you do everything correctly and... No pressure. <laughs> and we did the first ever miracle healing crusade on the White House grounds in Honduras. 20,000 people came into that. Hallelujah. It's the most amazing thing where God will take you if we actually know how to act. He will bring your gift before great men. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to dividing of soul and spirit and joints of morrow, and is a discerner in the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This book is alive. These are the words of Almighty God. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word came and dwelt among us and became flesh. These words are alive. When you quote this Bible, when you read this Bible over your life, it brings forth a change as long as you allow it to change you. Because God will never take away two things from you. One, you will live forever. You're never going to die. You're going to live forever. Your body may go six feet under, but your spirit, man, which is the real you. We are not up in heaven 
with wings and fat babies with a harp. We're not like that. The real you is you. What you see is you, is the real you, your spirit man. God chose before he created anything and everything to take your spirit man and put it into human flesh. You're going to live forever. Let me say it one more time. You will live forever and ever. And how long is forever? Ever and ever. How long is eternity? Ever. Eternities, eternities. The Bible talks about eternities, eternities. You'll live on the new heaven and the new earth. You'll live when the universe is rolled up and a new universe comes. You will be alive. You're never going to die. And there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. Things are getting serious in the earth. Things are getting serious in the United States of America. Time is coming to a close. And a new door will open up to a new time. Where do you stand with God? Because everybody, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Whether they're Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, Satanist, whatever, there will be a time. That's the reason why I don't have a problem right now kneeling down and worshiping God. I'm just getting used to that day. I won't be forced when others will be. Well, I just don't believe that, Brother Jack. I just don't believe that. Your belief system doesn't change the truth. It just changes the outcome of your life. Well, I just don't believe for tithing today. That's okay. It doesn't change the truth. It just changes the outcome of your finances. It doesn't change the truth. We are a word and spirit ministry. Number three, we are an equipping ministry. That's the reason why we have LCU here. That's the reason why we have opportunities to come on the mission field. That's the reason why we have outreaches. That's the reason why. Like I threw the mic to Jamie. She got on that platform as she was an expert. I'll just tell you right now. I mean, she just called out them numbers and she took charge. That's what we're talking about. Pastor Marie says to me, she did really good at that. I said, yeah, we ought to use her more. Praise God. Amen. We are an equipping ministry. 2 Timothy 2.15, I'll read it again. 2 Timothy 2, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Ephesians 4.12 and 13, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and acknowledge the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure, stature, and the fullness of Christ. In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, says this. Then he said unto the disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers. Send forth. We are an equipping ministry to send people forth. And believe me, we need more laborers in the harvest fields. Please do not allow Satan to deceive into thinking that all you're ever concerned about is just yourself and your own needs. I learned, we have learned a long time ago, if I go about doing God's business on the earth, He will always take care of my business. We've lived that for years. When Satan would come and create problems and trials and tribulations, and you're thinking, my God, I can't seem to get my head above water. As a matter of fact, I, I like to get on top of the barrel, but the barrel's on top of me. I've always I've learned if I just go, okay, I'm going soul winning. That's it. Made me mad. Messing with me. I'm going soul winning. 
Made me mad. Oh, that's it. Messing with my finances? I'm giving double. What are you going to do about that, sucker? Sucker! What are you going to do about that? I'm giving double. You made me mad. That's it. Oh, I'm trying to put sickness on me? That's okay. I'm going to the hospital. I'm going to the ICU. I'm going to go pray for sick people. Uh, you made me mad. This one's for me. In the name of How do you fight back an unseen foe? You can't see Satan. But he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So you fight back like I just told you to fight back. Made me mad. I'm getting 10 people born again. I'm snatching them out of hell. What you going to do about that? Keep on. Keep on messing. Keep on messing with my finances. I'm going to get the whole bank account. What you going to do then, sucker? Can't bother me then because I gave it all. How do you fight back? When you wake up in the morning, Satan should be screaming, Oh, my God, they're up again. Oh, it's going to be a bad day. Just had ten demons they cast out just the day before. Come and talk to me about them. Listen, folks, if you're not kingdom-minded, you better start being kingdom-minded because that's your destination. Hello. And he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the deal. You're going to get rewards in heaven. There's actually five crowns you can receive in heaven. One is a soul winner's crown. It's a crown of righteousness. Crown of rejoicing. I I couldn't imagine what Reinhardt Monkey's going through right now. I'm serious. That man, he was possessed for souls. Possession is good as long as it's for Jesus. If the devil can possess people to rape, steal, and plunder, how come we can't be possessed with the Holy Ghost to deliver people, to set people free? I want to be possessed with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Possessed with the Holy Ghost. That dude's possessed. Absolutely right. So we're an equipping ministry. That's the reason why we encourage all the time. You know, some people get upset with us because we encourage people to go to Bible college. Come on, it's the most easiest way to get your degree. And not only that, it comes with benefits. You get pay raises because when you take your degree to, because it is a accredited degree. You take your degree to your boss, guess what? They almost force you to get a pay raise. You have a degree. And you're learning. You, you'll know more than the Jehovah's Witnesses. Amen. Amen. I had some Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house. It was a bad day for them. I'm just going to tell you, it really, really it really was. We were, we were in Chicago, and then two of them came and knocked on the door. And then a lot of people just rejected them. I said, no, come on in. Come on in. Have a seat right here. Let's sit down. Let's talk. So they were going through all their Mordecai and the angel, whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. I said, well, hey, listen. I said, do you all believe in the power of God? They were like, what? I said, yeah, the power of God. Let me show you. So I break out my computer, and I start showing them the crusades and the blind seeing and the deaf hearing and the lame walking. And I said, this is the Jesus I serve. What Jesus do you serve? Would you like to receive this? Well, you know, we got to go now. And things like that. I said, okay. The next day, they brought their head honcho back. Guess what I did with him? Hey, come on in. Have a seat right here. Let me show you the, let me show you the power. What you got to say about that? Uh, 
I wasn't too nice to a Mormon guy, though. I, he got in his car and went home, which was a good thing. Stepped one foot on my property. Comes on there, and I start ministering to him and all that kind of stuff and start ripping scriptures out like crazy. And he's like, I said, Bubba, you got the wrong book, man. You need to go get your Bible, man. Why are you trying to open that? I'm trying to use these scriptures, and you ain't got your Bible with it. You just made my, you gave me a bad day. Oh, yeah, you need to go home, bud. Go back, get in your car, go back home. I will. Don't come to my house. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. Yeah. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. All right, baby. We're in a crippling ministry. That's what we do here. We're not a religious church. You come to church on Sunday morning. Hello. And we dismiss you. We have church Sunday morning. We have church Sunday night. We have Tuesday night. We have LCQ. We have world missions. We have outreaches. Please, if you want to participate, you will not be bored. You will never. You, you'll be screaming, slow down! Oh my God, slow down! We were told by our board members, Y'all are just way too fast. Said, no, this is normal speed for us. Praise God. We had to slow down. We did. And then we felt like we were at turtle space. And everybody's like screaming because we're like mm, pedal to the metal. So everybody feels that we're at pedal to the metal. We're like, this is so stinking slow. Golly, don't you know we got souls? To, don't you know we got outreaches to do? It was really funny because I was out there at the property, you know, yesterday, and I had the generator and everything, and April showed up, and April goes to me. She said, Pastor, she said, I guess it's just me and you. And I said, yeah, you sing, I'll preach. (laughs) I said, I'll use my outdoor evangelistic voice. (laughs) Oh, come, all ye faithful. Who needs a microphone? We're an equipping ministry. Why would you want to equip us? So that you can have something, something in heaven. I mean, you would like to get a reward, wouldn't you? I mean, like, you don't don't want to be kissing the, the, the golden street. My God, I made it! I mean, you would like to have a robe of righteousness, right? You'd like to stand in line and go, could I have a crown? Could I, have a, could I just have one jewel? You know, no, no, you want, you, want all, you want what's behind door number one. Why are we so consumed with stuff? Why are we so consumed with this world? You can't take it. 
You can take nothing with you. And we're so indented with stuff. Got to have this, got to have that, and got to make this, and striving and stuff. And Satan tricks us. Number four, we're a missions ministry. Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them and believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly by accident, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the Lord went with them and spoke with them and worked with them um, um, with the signs and wonders. So we are where to go ye so that you can have reward in heaven for eternity. I don't know about you, but I don't like living in the wish I should have could have. I don't like living in that place. I wish I would have did this. I could have did that. I wish I would have could have. No. We're a mission-oriented ministry going after the lost. We, we don't do medical missions. Nothing wrong with that. We don't do construction missions. Nothing wrong with that. We do Book of Acts. And this is what we do. We take teams with us. We've had upwards to 80, I think the members were about 80, right? 75, 70 to 80, right around there, 80. This is what we do with our team. You go to churches and you minister and you tell a testimony and then you lay hands on the sick and you cast out devils. Then in the crusade for three nights, you're in the front. We loose you in the crusade. You go over to the wheelchair section and you pull people out of wheelchairs. Well, what if they don't walk? You won't be sued. Come on, you're in a foreign country. Praise God, amen. You, know, you just pull them out. You just pick them back up, put them in the wheelchair, keep praying for them. Praise God, amen. You're not going to get sued. What do you got to lose? Nothing. They come, if they come crippled, at least they left crippled, hello. But if they come crippled and all of a sudden you lay hands on them and they get out of the wheelchair and start walking for the first time, hello, somebody, you have nothing to lose. Tumors disappear by your hand. You lay hands on it, it disappears. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. You you are actually representing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, in which He said that you'd be able to do. And we cannot tell you the testimonies after the testimonies after the testimonies of just simple believers being preached to to years that God said you could do this, and then we give you an opportunity to do it. Imagine that. We don't set you on the platform and go, hey, listen, you're Americans. You just need to watch. Huh. Get out there. Cast that devil out. You know, I talk about Jen Snead. I know she's not here today, but she doesn't mind me talking about her behind her back. Praise God. Amen. So I'm going to share anyway. The first mission trip she came, all right, she's all pumped up and excited and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, she lays hands on this person, and they fall under the power of God. First time it's ever happened to her. She fall, they fall under the power of God, and they start foaming at the mouth and vomiting. So she runs back to the platform. Call 911. Call 911. We have an incident over here. And then one of our team members, my daughter, said, You are 911. Get back there and pray. Because you don't call 911 in a third world country. They don't have 911. You are 911. Yeah. So we give that opportunity. I promise you this. Every mission trip we have, I'll be there. Praise God. Amen. I'll promise you. Because <laughs> I have to believe God too. 
You know, I got to believe God for the money, just like you got to believe God for the money. Hello, somebody. It'd be a sad day that the evangelist can't show up to his own crusade. What happened? Well, the funds were a little short this year. Couldn't. <laughs> be a bad day. Everybody else got to go. We're going to have Daniel King come in January. He fell asleep. He fell <laughs> I'm going to tell it anyway. I'm going to tell it. Okay, I'm going to tell the story anyway. I'm going to tell it anyway. So it was, he, he's, he, <laughs> you don't know Daniel. Daniel taught us how to do crusades. He's been in the ministry ever since he was a kid in Mexico. Went to Oral Roberts University. He's been doing crusades for many, 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 many years. And he taught me how to do crusades. And so the, an evangelist fears that you're so tired that you, don't, you actually don't show up to your own meeting. So he was exhausted. I mean, I mean, when you're up for 48 hours and you're only dozing and sleeping and you're on five airplanes and you're trying to get to the place and then you're trying to recover so that you can preach, okay? So we all would take a nap in the, evening, in the, in the afternoon time for the crusade night, okay? And so it was, he was the one who would do introducing and all that kind of stuff because he's the one who spearheaded this crusade in, in Miramar. So all of a sudden, now I'm up, Todd's up, Matt's up, everybody's up. And we're thinking, oh, my gosh, where's Daniel? Where's Daniel? So we sent Matt to go bang on the door. Okay, so he's banging on the door, and Matt's like, he came back. He's like, he, he's not answering. So, so, I, so Daniel didn't show up. And he was supposed to do introductions and all this kind of stuff. And so the crusade director preached, all right? And then after the meeting, we're all back, and we're in the hotel room. Well, Daniel wakes up. All right, and he looks at his watch. He's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm late! I'm late! I'm late!" So he gets all dressed. He walks out. He hears no music. He hears. He sees no lights. And he actually forgot to come to his own meeting. Danger! Danger! Where's the evangelist? We want to introduce you, international evangelist Daniel King. That's a bad day for an evangelist. Not sure. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what I want you to do is I want you to tease Brother Daniel when he comes. <laughs> so when he walks in the door, Brother Daniel, Brother Daniel, where's the dangerous Daniel King? He's like, that's only happened to me twice in the entire time I'm ministry. <laughs> twice. <laughs> You should have seen his face. He was so embarrassed. It was amazing. We're a missions ministry. Praise God. Amen. World missions. Number five, we are a tithe, offering, and serving ministry. We're a tithe. How do you think these things get paid for? The gospel's for free, but it takes finances to go around the world. Takes finances to pay the mortgage on the building. Takes finances for the lights. Takes mortgage. Takes finances to pay the salaries for the staff that we have. It takes finances to do that. The gospel's for free, but it takes finances. Why is it that the Muslim religion is the second fastest growing religion in the world? Because they pour millions upon millions upon millions. In the country of Miramar, the Muslim religion was starting to grow really fast. You know what happened? The military rose up against them and started killing them. Genocide. Yeah. 
they were pouring millions and pouring millions of dollars into their country. Wow. And less than 3% of the body of Christ gives up a tithe. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't understand the thinking. Let me give you some scriptures. Malachi 3, 6 and 7 and 8 <clears throat> says this, For I am the Lord, I change not. I want you to just think about that for a second. I am the Lord and I change not. I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even in the days of your fathers, you've, you've gone away from my ordinances. You have not kept my ordinances. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you say, how shall we return to you? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. You say, how? Tithes and offerings. So if he says, I am the Lord, I change not, then it's not God that's changing. Who's changed? We have. The church has. Hmm. I am the Lord, I change not. So he hasn't changed his mind on tithes and offerings. Why have we changed our mind? If he doesn't say change, well, kept his ordinances, kept covenant. You have to understand that tithes and offerings keep covenant with God. That covenant says this, whatever you need, whatever I have, you can have. But whatever you have, I can have. I, I, I don't read in the word where God is a taker. Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Job said that. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life, give it to you more abundantly. Life more abundantly. That's in every area of life. So God says here, I am the Lord, I change not. He goes on to say, you robbed me, same way we robbed me of tithes and offerings. You curse with a curse. You robbed me this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and there'll be meat in my house and prove me. This is the only scripture in the entire word of God that if you tithe, you get to prove God. You get to actually say to God Almighty, the God of the universe, who actually created all of us, who actually created the earth, created the entire universe, created the oxygen that we breathe for free. This verse right here says proof. I can fully testify to you, God is my witness, I have proven this out. We've been tithing for years. I tithe off my business, we tithe off of our income. I can testify to you before God Almighty, He has been faithful, 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 faithful. I've never not had a bill paid. Never. Never believe in God for food. Even in our toughest time. Never. Never not had our bills paid. Never. Never. Never, ever, ever, never, 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 never not had our bills paid. Might have been late, but never not had our bills paid. Never, ever, never, 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 never gone without food. Never. Ever. Ever, never, never, ever, ever, never. We do not worry about finances. Ever, never, ever, ever, God is my witness, ever. Why? Why? I'm a tither, and I give offerings. Why? I understand covenant. I understand covenant. I have a covenant that was cut with the blood of Jesus, not my blood, His blood, and I understand how it works. That's the reason why I can confidently say, 
and I confidently tithe. I look, I get giddy. I'm not kidding. I get giddy. Oh, well, that's just you, Brother Jack. God loves red hair, blue eyes, boys. That's not true. That is not true. I have a covenant with Almighty God. And He has never failed me, never let go of me, never has let me down. I don't have to question. I don't, I don't have a question. He has proven. It's been a proven thing in our lives. That's the reason why I don't sweat it. Prove me now, and says the Lord of hosts, if I don't want to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, you have no room enough to receive. That is perspective. Let me tell you something right now. No matter where you're at financially right now in your life, you are very wealthy. You need to go to the country I just came from. You need to come to the mission field with us and see. See for yourself. My first mission trip was to the country of Honduras back in 1999, right before Hurricane Mitch hit Honduras. I saw dead people floating. Over 30,000 people died. It shook me. And I had to be real careful because when I came back to America, a spirit tried to, a poverty tried to get on me. So what do you mean by that? I'm standing in Walmart, right, lying, getting some food, and I just had this major life-changing experience. I mean, I left all my clothes in Honduras. I mean, I left everything. And I'm having, I had this major, major eye-opening experience of what it's like to be outside the United States of America in a foreign country where people have nothing, absolutely nothing. That They believed God to eat every day. They believed God to whatever every day. They got to believe God. And not only that, there was a national disaster on top of that. So I'm standing in the Walmart line, and I, I hear somebody complain about Cheerios. The box top was open over Cheerios. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. Here you are, you're fussing about your box of Cheerios? Thank God it wasn't Count Dracula. I want to be complaining about that right there. Lucky charms. Yeah, and I had to be real careful. I had to be real careful because it, it, it could get on me. You start be Americans start complaining about their lucky charms and their. So I had to be real careful, and then I realized we just don't know. Americans don't know. If, you, if you've never been outside this country, I want to encourage you to go outside this country. Your perspective of the world will change. Your perspective of how you live changes. Every one of you here are very wealthy. Amen. Let me ask you this: How many slept in a bed today? How many went to the refrigerator and got something to eat out of the refrigerator? Praise God. How many have a carpet or tile in your house? How about a couch? Do you all have a couch in your house? How about a screen TV? You got a flat screen TV? How about this? Anybody got an Apple iPhone or, or any? Yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody got a computer in their house? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Did you get, ladies, did you get to go to your closet and get to pick something you like to wear? Praise God. Amen. Because the only time when you say, I have nothing to wear is because you have nothing new. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. How about you, gentlemen? Will you, did you get up this morning? Praise God. Amen. Did you, have, did you have a bowl of Cheerios or something or a banana or something like that? How about a milkshake or a shake? Or how about, how about an egg McMuffin with a large coffee, two creams, and a large mocha frappe? Praise God. Amen. It's really good. 
Y'all are very wealthy. You're the brokest you'll ever be right now. Brokest you'll ever be right now. I'm just trying to tell you, this is what we are. This is who we are. This is what we do. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 and 2 says this, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth, a part of everything. All the spoils. So it's not only a New Testament principle, it's also an Old Testament principle. Tithing is a theme that runs from Genesis through Revelation. And offerings. But why, 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 why does the church withhold? I don't understand. I don't, I, I, I'm honestly, I don't understand I don't, I don't understand the thinking. Except maybe one thing I understand. They just, we just don't know our covenant with God and what, and what that was paid for at the blood of Jesus. We understand it. I understand the covenant. That's the reason why I'm never concerned. God always provides. And not only that, it's, over, it's, it's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So we are a tithing, give of offering ministry. That's what we do. All right, final point. We are a serving ministry. We're a serving ministry. In Acts 6.1, in those days when the numbers of disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring on the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected at the daily uh, ministration. And then the twelve called the multitude and the disciples and said unto them, Choose ye out seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, whom may we appoint over this business so that we could continually spend time in prayer and study of the Word. We are serving servant-oriented ministry. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. We serve. That's the reason why we have the ministry of helps here. That's the reason why we encourage people to serve. Because if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to become somebody else's servant, even if you're treated like one. You've got to serve. Matthew 23, 11 and 12, it says this, But he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. In Matthew 20, 26, it says this, It shall not be among you, but whoever will be great among you will be your servant. And whoever will be first must be last. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he gave us an example on how we are to serve one another. He washed the disciples' feet. Let me make this announcement here. If we have to close down a department in this church, it's because the person that was assigned checked off. So please don't get upset. That's the only reason why we have to... If we close down the children's, is because somebody checked off of PICO, whatever that thing is. PCO. They checked off of PCO. That's the only reason why we close down an apartment. If we don't have any greeters, it's because somebody checked off. It's getting awfully quiet in the house of God. So it's, all, it's up to you. So get mad at each other. Find out who was the head of the department, and then they clicked off, because you can secretly do that now. Praise God. Amen. And please, would you do me a favor? If you sign up, keep your word. Please do that. Don't say, well, I just feel like I need church. Get the podcast. Praise God. Amen. It's available to you. Please serve. It's the heart of God. Come on. It's the heart of God. And remember, if you check off, then it's going to leave a gap. 
How can you win a football game if you lose your wide receivers? How can you snap the ball if you don't have a center? Could we please just neglect our own wants and maybe serve one another and help one another and lay our lives down? If if Jesus laid down his life in death, should we not lay down our lives in service? Somebody need to put that on Facebook. Praise God. Amen. If Jesus laid down his life in death, should we not lay down our lives in service to one another? I'm just telling you who we are. This is who we are. If this is your vision, if this is what you want in the church, we're your church. If none of this is your vision and that's you don't like, then please find a pastor, find a church that will hook up with what you believe. We're not it. And I say that very lovingly. But from what I understand with all these scriptures and what the Bible says a Christian is supposed to be like, I think these are all lined up. I, I mean, I could be mistaken, but I think all of these things are lined up in the Word of God. So please forgive us if I'm trying to help you win in this life. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for pushing you to win souls. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'd like for you to have rewards in heaven. Please forgive me for pushing you toward that direction so that you can run your race and finish your course and and then with joy and then have your heavenly fathers tell you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter the rest. Please forgive me for trying to help you win. Please forgive me. Please, if you're mad at me, get over it. Praise God. Amen. You're going to have to get over it. Praise God. Amen. Just get over it. I just can't believe that pastor. He wants me to go on world missions. How dare him? Oh, that pastor was forcing me to go to the outreach so I could win souls. Ha ha ha. How dare him? Oh, he wants me to go to LCUs so I can learn more about the Bible and learn more about the... So that I can have two covenant relationship with God and be confident in it. <laughs> Praise God. Please, please forgive me. Please forgive me for wanting you to make more money. Praise God. Please forgive me for that. Please forgive me for trying to help you get a degree so that you can go to your boss and present your associates, your masters, or your doctor degree so that, the, so that your boss can look at you and go, is this accredited? Yep, well, that's all we need. <laughs> Pay raise, baby. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for trying to push you toward that. I'm just trying to tell you who we are. And if this is you, please, let's run. Let's run our race. Let's finish our course. Come on, hello. Let's be a part of the greatest revival, the greatest harvest in the world that's about to take place. And so that the rapture could take place and we can get out of here and have the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years where there's pumpkin pie, ice cream, (laughs) turkey, and ham. I mean, the dessert table alone is 20 miles wide. I mean, it might take you seven years just to taste every single one. And then all of a sudden we get to come back and reign and rule for a thousand years on the earth. And then after a thousand years there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And Satan will be locked up in all of his demons. And then who knows, we could be the captain of the next starship. Praise God, amen. Maybe you'll be a part of the colony on Mars. I'm not really sure. Men are from Mars and then women are from Venus. And that could be a reality. Praise God, I mean, who knows? Who knows? So please forgive me for trying to help you succeed 
in this earth and you run this race and you finish your course. That's all we're trying to do. Please stop giving us a hard time about that. I would really appreciate it. It'd be like your boss telling you, listen, I want to give you a promotion. I want to give you a pay raise. We're going to double your salary. No, don't do that. I resist. I resist. No, don't do that. I can't handle that. I just can't handle it. Or do you want me to do that? I just want you to serve and I want you to help your other employees and all that kind of stuff and help them succeed too because you know you're such an inspiration. Oh, I just can't do that today. Today I'm having a bad day. No. No, we really want to help you. And, 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 and let me say this too. If you, if you partially are here and you're not 100% here, please go find a place where you can be all in. I'm serious. Be all in. And don't threaten one another. Oh, I'm just not going to church today. How dare them trying to help me succeed. They're, they're out of their minds trying to help me succeed. They're out of their mind. They've lost their mind. They've lost their mind. All they ever do is talk about soul money. All they ever talk about is crowns. All they ever talk about is rewards. All they ever talk about is being successful. All they ever talk about is money. Don't go down to that church. They want more money in your pocket. Praise God. Amen. More money in your pocket. More money in your pocket. More money in your pocket. We just want more. We want you to succeed. We want more money in your pocket. Please forgive us for giving you the principles on how to do that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I repent. I must be the worst sinner ever to help you succeed. Do me a favor. Please stop gossiping. Please stop talking behind people's backs. Stop backstabbing. Oh, we're, gonna, we're on it today. This is what you want to be a part of, right? Here's the vision. I'm making it plain. I've written it down. Who would like to have this? If that's, if that's what you want to be a part of, come on, let's run together. Come on, let's win souls together. Come on, let's succeed. Let's be the church that Jesus called the church to be. That's right. This church, the Book of Acts church, the soul-winning church, the successful church. Let's run. Let's come on. Let's herald it, the devil. Let's bring as many people into the kingdom of God as we can. Let's do it. That's what we're about. And if you're called to that, let's do it. Let's do it. Can you say amen? amen? And we'll help you the best we can. We'll help you. We will lay down our lives for you because Jesus laid down his life for us. I think we have an obligation to him to do that for you. So could you make it easier? <laughs> I really appreciate it. I really appreciate we do deserve some relief a little bit. I'm called, we're called to be a teacher and a preacher, not a fireman and a firewoman. Some of you are like, what do you mean? There's a fire in the church over here. Oh, it caught over here. Oh, there's another flame. Use your own fire suppression system. <laughs> Put that one on Facebook and smoke it. Praise God, amen. You're, 
Be your own fire suppression system. Y'all love me. Y'all love me. You sure? Some of the newbies are like, holy cow. What, what church you brought me to this morning there, Ethel? <laughs> that guy, he's off his rocker. Hallelujah. I think I might preach another two more hours. Praise God. Amen. We got to wait till the, all the people, all the church people are out of, you know, Carabas and out back and all. Get, let them leave. There'll be plenty for, for us afterwards. We want to wait in line. No, let's just be the church what God's called us to be. And let's go about the work of the ministry. Let's do it because there's a short time. There's a real short time. I mean, he's coming soon. So many. I don't know if you know this. Let me say this and we'll close with this. I don't know if you know that Iran and Russia and China are now doing military exercises together. How many knew that? How many didn't know that? China, Iran, and Russia are now doing military exercises together. Did you know that's the book of Revelation? That's Gog and Magog. In the book of Revelation, it talks about that. But those three nations will join together and they're, they're going to come against who? Israel. They're going to come against Israel. They're going to attack Israel. And they are joining together now and doing military exercises. And in response, President Trump said, we're going to do military exercises with Israel and all of our other. In response to that. How many knew that? How many didn't know that? Okay, you knew that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So look, folks. The times and the signs and the times are there. We're living in the last days. Now's the time that we make the course corrections. 2020 is about on us. 2020 is about on us. Just a few more days away. The door will shut on 2019, and 2020 will come. President Trump will be reelected. I'm telling you, he's going to be reelected. It's inevitable. It's God-ordained. And at the end of those four years, I don't know what's for America. I don't know. It could be the last Trump that's about to blow. Could be. Could be. Could be. Could be. Could be the last Trump. So there's a work that we need to do. And the work that we need to do is we do it quickly. Amen. And whatever adjustments we need to make personally, let's make those adjustments. Come on. And if we need to get right with God, let's just get right with God. He, he forgives. Hello. <clears throat> let's pull up the bootstraps. Come on. Let's run the race and finish the course. Can you say amen? All right. Come on. Everybody stand up. You've been so gracious. You're so gracious. That's what we're about, guys. That's the, that's, the, that's the vision of the ministry. That's what we're about. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week. And remember, the best is yet to come.